For the Rabbi Laura podcast today, I have a fabulous woman who I don't know at all, which is very nice for me because I'm all excited. I've got that kind of like, ooh, this woman looks lovely anticipation in my soul. And I feel sort of that tingly beginning thing, which feels really nice. It is Nadine Batchelor-Hunt, who is a journalist and a podcaster. You've probably heard her podcast, but I haven't yet. And I'm going to subscribe. And her podcasts are called Nadine Talks. But where I saw her first was on Twitter, where I saw a lot of really, really interesting things that she was posting and thought, she looks like a great woman and brave as hell. (laughs) And she also works for a human rights charity called Each Other. Is that right? Yeah. What's it do? We basically focus on human rights issues from everything from, you know, traveller rights, trans rights, what your rights are in the age of COVID. And we had a, a Black Lives Matter takeover last month. And each week had a guest editor and we looked at things like racism in the media, racism in the charity sector, racism in education. So we looked at lots of different things across the month, but to do with BLM. And then this month, next week, this week, I'm looking at refugees and homelessness and maternity, like women who aren't being able to have their partners present with them at scans or at births and stuff. Oh, it's so awful. Mm, mm. I think that's awful. I mean, one of the things with COVID is I, in fact a friend of mine I took her into the hospital in labor oh wow with a partner with her partner and he had to stay in the car until the hospital would say he actually could come in so I'm sitting in the car hanging out with him this poor woman is on her own in the hospital like feeling terrible and in labor I mean that you know I just I couldn't imagine what that was like although of course my mum gave birth to me on her own and to the three of us and my dad was sent out and she was told off for making a noise what okay so at least it's not like that anymore but yeah Yeah. i think (laughs) i think it's one of the things i've been reading up a little bit on it and i I think it's just been with it with the whole idea of oh you can't catch the virus as well the extra stress of the virus the extra stress of giving birth in a hospital when there's a virus there not having your partner there like all of it so i'm hoping to talk to some women about that this week Oh, yeah, and then I'm also doing a story on the fact that Scotland are incorporating some rights into their, their basically their constitution to protect, protect the rights of children more within Scotland, and it's something that we hope will be adopted in England. So I've got lots of, like, things that are starting this week. So, But, yeah, it's a really cool place to work, and if you haven't heard of it, check it out. <laughs> I'm going to each other. Okay, I absolutely will. So, lovely lady, an interesting lady, what I love is people have you know, either know who you are because they follow you or have no idea who you are, like with every single person comes on the podcast. So tell us a bit about yourself. So you introduce you rather than me doing that. So where are you from? Where do you live? Yeah, so I'm from Birmingham. I recently moved from London to Manchester to do my NCTJ, which is a qualification in journalism. And that's really cool. It's kind of been thrown a bit on its head because of everything to do with COVID. So I moved up to Manchester to be near the school, which is in the town centre. But then obviously lockdown happened and then I'm here and like, I'm just like, what do I do? So I'm back in Manchester now and kind of trying to juggle different things, trying to get that done. But it's, it's a bit of a challenge emotionally as well. I think with the headspace I was in when I did the course, I'm finding it like difficult with studying and concentrating and and then, it yeah, is. so I'm struggling with that, yeah. And then, yeah, so then I do freelance stuff. So I've written for lots of places. I have to post The Guardian, GQ, Enemy, Glamour Mag, lots of different places. And I really enjoy doing my freelance stuff. I'm on TV now and again and on the radio now and again. 
So what do people, when you go when you broadcast, what are people asking you? What's it about? So I think the last few times I was on the radio on it was on Scottish radio and I was talking about you know uh, Jessica Krug, the woman that pretended to be black in America. Yes. yes. So we were just talking a bit about why she did that. Oh actually that. Yeah, other people might not know. So go go back, go back, back. So Let's assume that someone's listening to this podcast and actually they haven't heard of her. So I'm going to say, no, I don't know who she is. Tell me who she is. Jessica Krug is a white woman who lived as a black woman from the sounds of it for decades. Not only did she, well, she lived as a black Latina woman. And not only did she do that, she also became a professor of black studies while she was at George Washington University in in the US. And she wrote this really bizarre blog post where she basically talks about how she's been living a lie and how she's ashamed and how there's no way to say sorry for for what she's done and it's it's very very bizarre and yeah so that I was on the radio talking about that so when why did she do this so she's a she's a white woman who pretended to live as a black woman but I mean I don't want to sound like a complete idiot here but Surely it showed? Well, this is... So she said that she... She said she was kind of... The problem was is that she said she was ethnically ambiguous. But she... With hindsight, wow, she didn't... Yeah, before. but it's, it's a bit like Rachel Dolezal or whatever. Like, she kind of said she was black and people kind of went with it. And from the sounds of things, it got out of hand. And, yeah. And I don't know why she did it. A lot of people think she did it because it meant that she could apply for schemes. Also, some people just fetishise being black. There's some people that almost want to feel like they're experiencing anti-black racism of some weird kind of fetish. No one really knows, but the difference between her and, I guess, Rachel Dolezal or Dolezal, whatever her name, the other one that did it, is that she said it was wrong, whereas, you know, Rachel Dolezal wouldn't admit that it was wrong, but Jessica Krug has said, you know, it's wrong. So, yeah. So I spoke about that. And she got to be a professor of African studies. Yeah, a professor of black studies. It's literally not, not, it's just, <laughs> I, my, my brain is too small for this conversation. Uh, it, 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 so it's beyond realms of comprehension. Not only that, like, people have been saying her work's good. Like, this is the thing. It's not like her work is bad. Like, the work that she's produced is actually objectively good. It's just a very weird situation. And I think she changed her name a few times as well over the period of, of it. And she said she was... Technically, she claimed that she was Lati- um, Afro-Latina. So, yeah, very strange. It's extreme. So, when you were asked by Scottish Radio? BBC Drive Time Scotland, I think. Uh, and what did they ask you? They just said, why, why did she do this? And I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, why? Nadine, you tell me why she did it. Obviously, you're going to know as a woman who lives in Manchester. <laughs> so I said, I don't know. I kind of gave some of the uh, like reasons, like maybe because it would, she could make money out of it, maybe, I don't know. And they said, you know, how do you feel? Because also Jessica's Jewish, which added like another, because there's been a lot of discussion about... Oh please! <laughs> oh, why? It's, oh my God! Isn't it bad enough as it is without also being I know. Jewish? So there's been, so Aww. there's been a whole thing online where people have been saying, you know, oh she's not black, she's Jewish, and then there's a whole other level to it where you know, no, you can be black and Jewish. Like that is a thing. It's, it, the fact that she's a white woman. The problem with with what she was doing was the fact she was white, not that she the fact that she was Jewish. Like the Jewish thing is no relevant to whether or not she's a black or a white woman. So I spoke a bit about, you know, the implications of that because there's there's just been a lot of bad 
takes on the internet and just generally, even when the way the media was speaking about it, like, you know, Jessica Krug said she was a black woman, but actually she was a Jewish woman from blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, she was a white person from blah, 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 who happened to be Jewish. Like, it should be framed in a different way. Yeah, and, and I, th- I also thought one of the major consequences of it almost trivialises anti-racism. You know, if, if, a, if a white person is going to pretend to be black and then become a professor of black studies, yeah, I just... Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, kind of, it's a really messed up story. And You I'm couldn't just write that, it, could you? You couldn't say, let's just say we're going to have... We're going to write about a social movement, an anti-racist movement. And then after two months, we're going to make up a story about a woman who is white, happens to be Jewish, is a professor who treats other, not other people of colour, because of course they're not other because she isn't. <laughs> I mean, you can't get your brain around it. It's just, it's just, my gosh. And it's so upsetting because... The it's not like the reality isn't bad enough. You don't really need to add this in. Yeah, exactly, like and I think absolute field day on it. Exactly. Well, this is the thing. Like loads of people, loads of black people online were just like, if there are any other white people pretending to be black people, just come out of it now. <laughs> like just like stop. Like just do not let another repeat performance of this happen because it needs to stop. <laughs> it's like why are you doing this? Do you like, think? Stop. Do you think there are lots of people pretending to be Jewish? And then actually, it's like like to be Jewish and building your whole career around. And like she, she'd say things like, "Oh, I'm from this area." She'd say she'd have these like she'd put on these accents to say, "I'm not as cleared up when it comes to the different parts of America." She was saying she was from. I think she was saying she was from some sort of like inner city part of New York or something. And she developed this weird accent that, and she wasn't. She where was she from? She wasn't from New York. She was from Kansas, I think. Kansas City and she just it was it was just very weird it's like the definition of leading a double life I just I, I saw a lot of her friends it online is. as well being like I feel like I've been lied to I, I can't imagine like knowing someone for well, ages and then been. finding out yeah and then finding out that there's not the person they said they were at all it's crazy it is crazy well there are people who lead double lives and even have two families but this is worse in a way because it's trading off your lie I, yeah, she's monetizing it. Okay, yeah. well, it's a great. Yeah, she's money exactly. She, well, careeritizing, I know it's mm. not a word. Because you can imagine the sort of rabbit hole that people go down where they identify with a group. But let's say Jews, okay? People get involved. Lots of people, thank God, are involved in Jewish community who aren't Jewish. Brilliant. And then it's maybe it's uncomfortable for them to say, actually, I'm not Jewish. So they sort of say sort of Jewish or whatever, or they, whatever, because they don't want to say no. And then, in fact, one year um, at Rosh Hashanah, somebody is involved in our community. Actually, he wasn't saying he was Jewish. He's married to someone Jewish. And in fact, since then, he's chosen to be Jewish. But someone gave, he was, did a brilliant thing for the community. I can't remember what it was. So someone gave him a big mitzvah, like an honour for, well, you know what it is, for Rosh Hashanah, but I'm telling the other people who don't for the new year to hold the Torah scroll I am watching from the pulpit this really fantabulous man being given the Torah scroll and thinking no 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 not because I didn't want him to have it because what I didn't want to happen on Rosh Hashanah was loads of Jews bundling in and going no 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 you can't give it to can you imagine the scene the scene anyway he but I can't imagine and so you could sort of imagine it in a in a community where someone is, says, oh, you know, I'm Christian, they're not. But pretending to be someone of a different yeah. colour. It's like me pretending to be yeah. tall or something. Yeah, and like for decades as well. And and like making a career. It's not like, you know, it's not like she was like an academic who just happened to be pretending to be black. It was like she was an academic who was 
study like professor of black studies and saying that she was black when she wasn't it's crazy it is like i think there'll probably be a netflix series about it at some point it sounds like it's going to be one of those oh i think that's right because actually what went through my head is that fraudster do you remember run everywhere you can or whatever it was called catch me if you can oh catch me if you can that's right yeah yeah brilliant and but if you start a little lie it's one thing to kind of go along with it i mean obviously he wasn't lying he did on purpose but in this anyway is a kind of wonderfully surreal situation only it makes you very sad because the situation is bad enough as it is (laughs) so did you find yourself getting really what how did you react like did it make you angry or sort of frustrated i just i I basically i just thought if i read read into it too much like it it gets too sad so i just kind of found it funny and like if you get into the ins and outs of it it's just a bit like it's quite depressing but i'm just gonna I think one of the things the black community is quite good at when stuff like this happens is just finding the funny side of it. And like some like videos are circulating of her pretending to be black on video and everyone's like, how in the hell did anyone believe this woman was a black woman? Like she doesn't, it's like comical with hindsight. So I think that like, and a lot of black people have been quite humble about it as well. They've been like, her work is good. She didn't need to pretend to be black to do it. So I don't know. I feel like mm. black people in general have been quite, like oh this is a ridiculous thing that's happened we're not actually surprised it's just annoying that it's happened again and can't this just stop at least she said it was wrong like rachel dolezal has not said that it was wrong she still thinks she's a black woman so it is strange (laughs) so actually what i realized is that people might not know because of course i've got you on video as well as the audio that you're also a person of color Mm -hmm. In fact, you've got you've had a hell of a year yeah. because you've had Black Lives Matter and the last few years with with anti semitism mm. in the Labour Party mm. in the leadership. Mm. So tell so for this, so I just wanted to tell people that so that because they don't know because it's a podcast. But what I'd love to know with the Jewish hat on is come tell us about your Jewish journey. So basically, I'm a Jew by choice. So I when I started university, I'd always had we'd always spoken at home about how on my dad's side we had Jewish ancestry but it was kind of spoken about in passing and we never mm. really explored it and then when I went to university I started meeting Jewish people for the first time and then I started going to Jewish events and then as time went by I just found that Judaism and the holidays and the festivals and the culture just all very resonated with me and then as time went over at uni I got more involved with JSOC and started doing more Jewish things and I started keeping Shabbat and everything like that and then after uni, I went to Israel and studied at the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. Wait, wait, slow down. I need to explain that. Or oh, you can explain it. What is the, what is the Yeshiva? Because loads of people who listen to this podcast aren't Jewish. They'll be like, what are those? What is gobbledygook? A Yeshiva is kind of like, in Orthodox Judaism, you have seminaries and you have Yeshiva, uh, yeshiva or Yeshiva. And they're kind of places where people go to learn. In Mazorti slash conservative Judaism, you have like an egalitarian yeshiva, so men and women aren't separated. And you go there and you just study religious texts, you pray, yeah, and you just do loads of Jewish stuff, basically. It's extremely intense. Oh my God. (laughs) And it's, yeah, it's basically just kind of like Torah uni. That's the only way I'd describe it. It's just like, yeah. Torah uni. Oh my gosh, I've never heard it like that. Torah uni that's what basically what it given is me. thank you so i was there for a few weeks and then came back to um, the uk formally finished my conversion when i was in london so before i moved to manchester i moved here for my course there isn't really a jewish community that like, i'm mazorty so i'm like i, I like halakhic judaism but i'm not orthodox so I wouldn't... wait 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 what's halakhic judaism okay so halakhic is like observant of jewish law there isn't really a community that kind of matches my level of observance here outside of orthodoxy but then 
orthodoxy I don't feel entirely comfortable with him because it's not my denomination of Judaism and I'm living in South Manchester and um, most of uh, Manchester's Jewry tend to live in North so I don't really have the Jewish community here that I had when I was in London but when I was in London I used to hold Friday night dinners and services and things like that and yeah so like it at, at university as well like I do really miss I mean, JSOC at university had its, like, it was a bit weird at times because I just think students, lots of students in one place is just always going to be a bit weird. But I kind of miss the, the community where people would just, like, drift in and out, like, sit in JSOC, even if it smelled weird and it was a bit dirty, like, everyone would hang out. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so I, fair. Think, I think uh, Cambridge JSOC was known for just being a bit grim and run down, but... Oh, it was awful. I, so, yeah, I was involved in the Cambridge JSOC. They're renewing it, by the way, the building. Cambridge JSOC is very, very, I'm saying this on a podcast, manky. Yeah. But there's a very, very nice reformed community. Well, I'm actually the sponsoring rabbi for that community, but the Thompson's Lane. Yeah, that's the JSOC, yeah. Yeah, so I was also, what did you study? Uh, I did classics and then I switched to classics oh. and education. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, so I kind of miss Gosh, it in a weird way. I miss JSOC in a, in a kind of nostalgic way. I miss the people. The building was a bit weird and smells really weird. It needs renovating and it needs more it than does. one story. It's like a big bungalow. It's weird. I think it needs more than one story in a religious pluralistic way as well. Yeah, it does. I mean, we had way. a battle. We had a battle because the JSOC is technically an Orthodox synagogue. You probably know this. So it's technically an Orthodox synagogue. And then we basically turn that space into a place where you have Friday night dinner. So like... There'd always be a rush after the Orthodox people had their Kabbalah Shabbat Friday night service to push the Mechitza and everything back and reorganise the chairs and set out tables. The people that wanted to daven but weren't Orthodox and wanted an egalitarian service would always... Pray, daven is pray. pray, Yeah, wanted to pray but wanted wanted an egalitarian service. We'd normally hold those services in someone's room. Um, So when I was at uni, my friend Gabriel often held them in his room. But we, we started towards the end pushing to have them in... Like there's one large room which is where you have Friday night dinner and there's a tiny room at the back and we were like all trying mm. to come into there but then there was politics about whether you'd be able to hear the women singing from that room and it was a whole thing so basically the moral of the story is is that we need a that it needs a bigger JSOC like it was not big enough and yeah. it, like Cambridge has a big Jewish population which is great but it means that we need a proper community centre that can not and accommodate everyone and doesn't push people out that aren't orthodox because it does have a sense that you know, if you're not orthodox, you can't daven here, and that's just not really great. It's not great. You can't pray here. So you said something sort of by the way, which is actually a very important thing. You said because we wouldn't, they wouldn't want people to hear women's voices praying. So there's an important and I think really un- unpleasant concept in orthodoxy, which is that women's voices in prayer or singing can be sort of sexual or sexually lewd. So you're not allowed to hear them which I think, obviously, as a woman rabbi, I think that's just terrible. And it's just a terrible way of silencing women. So I just wanted to explain mm. what, what you said so that people understood. Do you ever get bored or annoyed with people saying, oh, tell me your Jewish journey and you're a Jew of colour. What does that mean and all that business? I think I think less so... I think it depends on who I'm talking to. I think if I'm talking... So, for example, talking to you, you, you're, a rab- you're a rabbi, I don't feel like you're going to be like oh so give me you know like the exact like blow by blow like you just kind of accept that this oh, yeah, is that's the journey annoying. do you know what I mean but when someone wants to know like delve into right deep down onto like every single motivate and it's just like some of this is quite personal so I think it depends on who I'm talking to if I meet people that are very unaware of Judaism or very like just not 
that emotionally aware, they suddenly start digging and want to know lots and lots about about why you why you decided what you did. And then there's other people that just kind of are more intrigued at the general process, but kind of know that the reasons are quite personal. Um, so yeah, it just depends on who I'm with. I, d- I don't like being asked when I meet someone for the first time and they ask me how I'm Jewish because nine times out of 10, if not more, it's because I'm black. Like they don't tend to say to a white person, how are you Jewish? So if someone says oh, yeah. to me, do you know, so, so, so it's another thing like that, you know, if I'm in a space where I'm the only black person and then someone's like, how are you Jewish? I'm kind of, I'm aware that that's why they're asking that. And then the flip side is also true. Like, I don't like when people assume that I'm not Jewish. I mean, I was in a, I was in a wedding in Israel in December with my ex-boyfriend and we were there and it was lovely and his, his friend's absolutely lovely. But the, there were some people who were also lovely, but just hadn't met me before. And just because of the lack of diversity within British Jewry, it was just assumed that I wasn't Jewish. And people were like, is this your first time in Israel? And I was like, no, I've been here. I studied at Yeshiva in Jerusalem here, actually. Thank you very much. So it was very much just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird space to navigate. And yeah, I don't, I don't mind people asking about the Jewish journey. I just think if it happens when someone, I've never met anyone, they don't know anything about me, and then they dig deep, too deep, then I think it's, it's a bit uncomfortable. Well, I think I would say it seems to me that it might not be because it's personal but when people ask the question you know do you keep Shabbat like this do you eat this do you eat that it's actually judgmental mm. it feels like they're trying to catch you out Ah, oh, so let's see on a scale of one to ten how Jewish are you <laughs> and that feels not just personal because I bet people don't ask about you know what happens when you pray when your relationship to the divine or something they're mm. asking I think to go into the details and of course what's funny is there's a great expression in hebrew which is you know the, the i'm going to explain i know you know this but i'm explaining it in case someone doesn't so jews wear fringes like in prayer shawls people might have seen a big prayer shawl when they have these fringes coming down or mostly men sometimes you'll see men very rarely women with fringes they're called sitziot that come that if they're walking come out of their you can see them sort of by their trousers and they are tied in the number of knots of the commandment 613 so that's not for your information it's for everybody else's so there's a great expression in hebrew which is to check someone in their sitziot in their fringes it's like because when you're meant to check your fringes to make sure that the knots are tied properly so you do go around like in synagogue when i wear a, a tali to prayer shawl i always like tie them and make sure that they're okay but what they're doing is checking in your fringes it's sort of in excuse the pun it's infringement (laughs) you know it's like so they're not just kind of it's not just personal it's like and i'm really how do you are you that's yucky it it links me into a bit on uh, because we were saying we were going to talk about trolls and it links me a bit into what makes a person jewish because online like i get a lot of how are you Jewish? Like, what makes you Jewish? Your politics mean that you can't be properly Jewish if you believe one thing or you vote a certain way and things like that. And I think that one of the another, another aspects that have been added to on who is Jewish increasingly, I think, in, in the you know 21st century, particularly around now, is a person's Jewishness will be judged by how they vote by per- certain people. And I feel oh, like yes, I feel point. like if you I feel like on all sides, like for some people, if you vote a certain way, then you're not truly Jewish. For some people, if you vote a certain way, you're not just not truly Jewish. There's this whole thing that's developing around a person's politics are a testament to how Jewish they are. And like as you say, you know, you'll meet people that are like, "Do you keep Shabbat?" and almost trying to like test you, like a, a Jew test to see how Jew, like observant you are, as if that shows how Jewish you are. But I also feel like there's this trend growing at the moment where 
if you don't have a certain type of politics or you don't say a certain thing, then people don't accept you as Jewish. And yeah, and I think that's... It's interesting. It's like our own Jews' own version of cancel culture. Mm. If you vote Labour, and you and I are both Labour voters mm. and Labour Party, I don't know if you're a party member, but I'm a party member, but we're Labour people. Oh, you're still in the Labour Party? Really? And that was in, you know, that was before that was still under, you know, Corbyn was the leader. Now, I did not get that because my family, uh, my dad was Labour MP and my grandpa was Labour, so they kind of let me off the hook of the whole Janna Labour MP business. Mm. But I think you're absolutely right. I think it's a new sort of frontier. And and, and that's, kind of way. and that's, but so I, I was saying that when I got trolled online, the whole denial of my Jewishness and you know, all of it was rooted down to my politics. And as you said, I voted Labour in the last election. I, I still stand by what my vote in that. I think that was the safest vote for the Jewish community because I find the Conservative Party genuinely scary. And unfortunately, a lot of my worst fears are being confirmed already by what's happening. Um, we're only, what, nine months in. Um, so I'm very worried about what the future is going to be for not just Jewish people, but for all minorities in this country under this government. But because I was voting Labour, and I, I'd explain my reasons for that, I've had like a lot of abuse online. I've had uh, the most recent of which was myself, you know, Charlotte Nichols, the MP. So I know, but do you want to explain? She's a Manchester MP. Yeah, she's a, she's a Jewish Manchester MP and another person in the Labour Party. We were listed as new Jews on this article that was put out anonymously. Really? Yeah, and it <laughs> said that we were Jews loved by anti-Semites. And then the article suggested... Say it again, Jews who what? Jews loved by anti-Semites. And the article suggested that we may have psychiatric illnesses. They call it called us oddities, and was basically saying what what would make Jews become this way or something like that. Anyway, the, 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 a lot of people were complaining about it online, and they got the, the the people that wrote the article removed that section. I've got screenshots of it though. I'm planning on writing something about the harassment I've had and that kind of vein. You should. You yeah. should. It re- yeah. You really, 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 really should. Yeah. If um, you so, can, like, if you've got the yeah. strength. Yeah, so there's, there's that, like, side to it, which is, you know, if you don't have the politics we like, then you're not truly part of the community. And I've had, you know, I wrote an article in The Guardian about why Boris Johnson scared me as a black Jewish woman. woman. I, I had people in the community being, you, you're saying things like, you know, they didn't think I, they, they didn't think I had the right to write, uh, write that I haven't been Jewish my whole life. How dare I, I write that and all this kind of stuff. And even the fact I was writing from the, I never spoke, I never claimed to speak on behalf of all Jewish people. I spoke on behalf of myself and what I was feeling. And there was nothing out there representing black Jewish people during the election. Like the Board of Deputies said nothing. Rabbi Mervis actually described Boris Johnson as a friend of the Jewish community when he got elected. Like there was no one giving black Jews a voice. So there was no one giving black Jews a voice. So I wrote this article in The Guardian and I, like so many people in the community were furious with me for it. I don't feel I don't, I'm not I'm not apologetic over writing it because no one seemed to care about my voice or the voices of people like me. You know, I, I we went through like Black Jewish people went through a lot during that election. So yeah, and I and I think one of the issues for me has been as a Jew by choice and also as a Black woman and also being left wing has caused a lot. Like people have tried to reject me or say that I you know encourage anti semites even though I'm on a list of like a, Jew, a list of Jews that neo Nazis have compiled and. I get like, anti-Semitic abuse all the time on social media. You know, Wiley told me I wasn't black because I'm Jewish. Like, so to see these lists circulating with me on there, saying things like that Nadine is a Jew that is loved by anti-Semites is ridiculous. So it's 
but I'm not seen as properly Jewish by these people. If it's not because I'm a convert, it's because I vote Labour. If it's not because I vote Labour, it's because I'm black. There's always a reason. So I think there needs to be an open and honest conversation about the fact that this is happening in our community. And you know, we all know that there's issues when it comes to how converts are treated, but we need to talk more about when the intersection, not not just like when it, when being a convert intersects with race, but also just how like different types of Jews are treated, like black Jews or LGBT Jews, etc. Because yeah, and I, I do feel like there is you have there is a section within uh, there are people within the community that think unless you have these certain political views, then you aren't properly Jewish and. Assumptions have been made about what my position on Zionism is. I don't speak about my position on Zionism very much publicly because the discussion about it is so toxic that I just don't engage. I find it much better for my mental health. I'm anti-occupation. I'm pro-Palestinian human rights, but I'm not going to give you my position on Zionism because it, it's it's too emotionally fraught. I get so much abuse in my inbox from people on both sides that I just don't engage. So yeah, and I just think I would never say to a Jew- Jewish person, even if they had the worst politics in the world, that they weren't Jewish because of their politics. You know, I don't like Ivanka Trump. She's Jewish. Nothing, nothing, nothing's going to change that. She is Jewish. So I just hope that we can. There are people in the community that are attacking others by saying they're not truly Jewish because of political views that they hold. Can stop that and just see the like see fellow Jews as a person they disagree with, rather than trying to attack their Jewishness many of much of which they're doing to people that are very proud to be Jewish and are doing it to hurt them because they know that attacking a person's Jewishness is going to really hurt them in a way that you know just straight out disagreeing with them what might not so. so wow so I'm I'm just gonna I'm feeling very sad <laughs> I I have hope like I I think I I don't know I just I realized that the the best way to go about it is not to be quiet about it I think because as I was saying to you last year, when I got stalked online, I, I'm writing an article about this. Hopefully it's going to go in Vashti, so I'm more open to speak about it. But long story short, for, for your listeners, obviously I really spoke about how I chose to be a Jew. And I hadn't posted about it online because it was something that I wanted to... It's, it's like information that's personal to you. It's something that you should be ready to share publicly when you are ready. And I assumed that that was kind of a unwritten rule within the community that would be respected that you know I wouldn't have to worry about someone going behind my back or putting out online that I I was a convert because it just someone wouldn't do that anyway um when I was getting trolled last year these trolls kept saying to me how are you Jewish how are you Jewish and I was like I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna take you to my Beth Din and get them to confirm it for you like I'm like I'm Jewish uh, Beth Din is a rabbinic court yeah I'm not gonna have to I'm not gonna like be like oh go and contact a rabbinic court and ask them if I'm Jewish like I'm not gonna do that like I don't have to be online posting evidence of the fact that I'm Jewish and they don't ask white Jews to do that so it was clear there was something going on here and they really didn't like the fact that I was also black because they they accused me of using it as a race card or whatever anyway as time went on these trolls were like making fake accounts and pretending to be Jamaican Jews to try and because I was I was blocking a lot of these trolls and these trolls were pretending to be Jamaican Jews online saying oh she's blocking us as well she doesn't care about Jews all just lots of like gaslighting and mind games and then eventually one of them posted that I was a Mazorti convert online that wasn't on in the public domain and obviously that really freaked me out I ended up having to call the police and I met the police with my rabbi and and something similar happened to Charlotte Nichols, who was who's an MP, who was told by the police that actually that stuff is kind of it's a hate crime because you're shaming someone for their religious beliefs and you're doing it in like a really nasty way. So yeah, so so that and, and going through all of that just made me realise that there's this toxic culture that needs to be addressed. You know, you can't treat 
I, I'm pretty sure some of the people doing it were outside of the Jewish community. Some of them who, who are part of this group that think they're allies but aren't also could be neo-Nazis because they've spoken on their forums about pretending to be Jews on different sides of the political debate to attack each other. But there were also people from within the community because certainly some of the knowledge that was shared about me would only be known from within the Jewish community. So I'm just I'm, I'm going to write this article, which hopefully at some point, just discussing some of these dynamics and why it needs to change because... You know, it shouldn't be such a terrifying place to go online if you're black or if you're a convert or or both, and and it is. It's a really scary place to be, and this happens regularly. And you know, the board of deputies are aware of it. I've explained it to the Jewish Chronicle before. You know, it's it's known, but nothing's being done. So yeah, so I, I just I'd hope that we can stop policing how someone's Jewish. You know, what what are we measuring someone's Jewishness by and just accept that a Jew is a Jew and this may be a Jew that is voting Conservative, but they're still a Jew. Or this may be a Jew that's voting Labour, but they're still a Jew and attacking someone's Jewishness is the least Jewish thing you can do. And I think one of the most difficult parts for me about it was in Jewish law, as you know, and if your listeners don't know, you're not supposed to remind a convert they're a convert and you're not supposed to shame a convert for being a convert. And not only was that happening online, it was happening publicly and intentionally publicly, not just to upset me, but to intimidate me and to scare me. And then all of that is like Khilul Hashem, which is like bringing shame on the Jewish community enough itself. Yeah, desecration. Yeah. So it, it was just it was just a mess. Like the whole thing was a mess. And to have people doing that to me while saying that they cared about Jews was just such, it was so obviously a lie it was obviously nothing to do about protecting Jewish people or Judaism, because if it was, they wouldn't have been conducting themselves in that way. And I just hope that we don't lose ourselves as a community because of politics. Like, you know, I understand politics are a fundamental part of who people are. And I, I would like, I understand that and I'm passionate about my politics. But I don't need to be denying someone's Jewishness if you disagree with them. The same way that Wiley, for example, who said that I wasn't black because I was Jewish. There's no need to, you don't need to delegitimize my blackness as something as fundamental as that, just because I'm saying that I don't agree with what you're saying. So I'm just hoping moving forward, we can move away from this tendency to police how Jewish someone is based on how they vote or what their perspective on Israel is or whatever, because it needs to, it's corrosive to the community and it's pushing people out. And it makes me fear for my future, if I ever have children, you know, if, if this abuse is continuing to go on and challenged in the community, like I've been asking myself some serious questions, you know, if people are circulating lists about me being a new Jew online, which is very easy for anti-Semites to get their hands on, details about me and a list of Jewish people in the UK, am I safe in a community like that? And and some of it's outwardly cruel, like the list that I was on listed David Graeber, who recently died. Now, it was released a few days before he died, but it just demonstrates like the level of cruelty because... David Graeber was someone who's very proud of his Jewishness and coloured everything he did. So for him to be on a list of Jews loved by anti-Semites and then for him to die a few days later, I don't know if they've taken him off it, but it just shows that there's just this very toxic section to, to the community at the moment that needs to kind of reflect on what they're doing because it's getting out of hand and it, it is going to push people away. Like, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to feel like I can't bring ch- children up within the community or have to keep my distance but at the same time, I don't want them to go through anything like what I've been through. And unless there's some, you know, soul searching and, you know, accountability and the community saying, listen, this is a problem, we need to deal with it, then I'm worried that we won't make progress. Sorry if I'm rambling on that a little bit. You're not rambling. And the strongest way of changing this is to have your voice heard. I just want to say I really 
really sorry this has happened to you. Mm. I've, I've kind of made peace. When it happened last year, when it first happened, and, you know, I was just, little old me I, I only used Twitter mainly to tweet about Game of Thrones at the time I think it was last summer and I, ha- I it was before like, I've got quite a few followers on Twitter now but then back then I had a few hundred and I was just kind of doing my own thing yeah and I just stumbled into this troll network and then from there like around that time is when I started doing journalism so the second time when it happened I think it happened quite badly again recently a few weeks ago I can't remember they come and go these trolls come and go Oh yeah, they tweeted. They produced a thread saying that I defended Jackie Walker and I hung around with Gilad, Atzimon and Joe Stell and all this kind of stuff, which was which was nonsense. And everyone by this point knew it was nonsense because I'd spent the last like two three weeks like arguing with people over Wiley and being told that I was like it was just ridiculous the idea that I would be an anti-Semite and that not only that but they'd accuse me of hanging around with like neo-Nazis. Like it was just it was absurd. So even though it was obsessing and triggering for me. Because it was like, oh my God, people are going to believe this. People are like, obviously we don't believe this anymore. But like a year ago, when I had barely any followers on Twitter and I was getting all of this stuff and then I got stalked, it was like, oh my God, like I'm little old me and I'm just trying to be a journalist, but like I don't really know anyone. And whereas now I've got a platform, so I could just be like, you know, this is BS. And I know it is. And I had people supporting me. So, but it was still quite triggering for me because it reminded me of being kind of like a scared newbie journalist sitting in my room being like, why am I getting stalked? I don't deserve this. But yeah, I think they picked a fight with the wrong person this time because back then I had something like 600 followers and now I've got something like 20,000 and I think they picked, they basically picked a fight with the wrong person and then loads of them ended up blocking me and like saying, oh, we don't mess with her. We don't want to talk to her. She's a horrible person. And it's like, I think everyone can see you're the horrible person here. But yeah, so I think I've got stronger from it, but I... I don't just want it to be a personal character building lesson. I want it to be a, a lesson for the community as a whole because, you know, this happens not just to converts and not just to black Jews, but to other Jews that may be, you know, non-Zionist, anti-Zionist, even very liberal Zionists, like, you know, people that are critical of occupation, like people like Natamod. Natamod is not a Zionist or anti-Zionist organisation. Like, I'm a member of Natamod. The fact that there are people there that are getting attacked by wait, these wait, trolls. Wait, wait, so you need to explain what Naamod is, which means we will stand, we stand. Yeah, so Naamod is a anti-occupation, a, a Jewish, like, young person's... I don't actually think it's exclusively young people. It's, a like, a Jewish activist organisation which is against the occupation of Palestine. So, yeah, so we, the, 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 the primary goal is to end the occupation to get, allow Palestinian people to have their own peoplehood in their own state. And... There are people there that are like very anti-Zionist, very Zionist, like there's people all over the shop. But fundamentally, the unifying force is, you know, self-determination for Israelis and Palestinians. Like that is the goal. But because it doesn't, even then, like I know some people that are part of Natamad who are like obviously Zionists, but they even they get accused of not being proper Jews because of their politics on blah, blah, blah. So I just hope that I think I think the politics around the elections as well aggravated a lot of these discussions. So in some ways, I'm glad the election is over because it was very traumatic. <laughs> but yeah, I just I'm just hoping that we can move towards a more const- constructive political discussions in the mainstream. I've had some hope. I saw a bit of unity after the Wiley stuff. I was reass- got a bit of reassurance from that. But I hope it's just not all lip service. Yeah, I think actually the Black Lives Matter movement brought out into people's consciousness Jews of colour, which I think was very good and different voices in different spaces. So listening to you, very sad I'm not in the same room as you actually, (laughs) 
kind of like be together, give you a hug. It just feels, you feel a long way away. <laughs> Even though I'm looking at your gorgeous face, I'm still feeling like, oh, long way away. What, what's keeping you going despite all this terribleness that you've had? Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think I went, I went through a phase where I wasn't really doing that well. And I wasn't really eating that much. And I think I, I think I think what happened was the stuff with Wiley happened. Do you know what? I think people might not just I mean I know and everything's mm. I got waded in, obviously, mm. as you probably saw. <laughs> but but do you want to just say what he, he Yeah, did? so Wiley is like a grime artist. He was he's very, very influential grime artist. He he calls himself the godfather of grime because the genre, which is kinda of like British rap, he was one of the early early kind of forefathers of it, along with like people like Dizzy Rascal. So yeah, and he he's he had some like, really well known songs like Rolex Sweep and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, as as times went on, he became a bit weird and a bit intent, like provocative intentionally for like Twitter attention. He got into some beef with another a grime artist, Stormzy, a few months ago, but that was more like a joke. Anyway, this so in July he went on Twitter and just apparently with hindsight apparently had an argument with his manager who was Jewish. I don't know, but he went on this massive tirade just saying things you know jews are what was it jesus i can't even remember because there's so many of them now jesus sneaky jews run the world jews oh yes we're sneaky yeah cowards sort of jewish people carry that all of this stuff and it was constant it was like days and days and days of just nonsense because he because he was saying things that you know uh, jewish people don't care about black people and jewish people just use black people for for money and all this kind of stuff so i obviously as someone who was black and jewish was like like responding to basically everything he was saying being like this is rubbish this is rubbish this is rubbish and then eventually he responded being like well, you're not really black because I said I was black and Jewish and he was chatting rubbish and, and there was just lots and lots of abuse it, it, similar stuff had happened before because Black Lives Matter had tweeted a tweet that was a bit problematic about they were trying to talk about criticising Israel but it dropped a little bit into an anti-Semitic trope and I got lots of abuse for that and what happened with Wiley kind of re-triggered that kind of brand of abuse which was I was called lots of things that I won't repeat, but yeah, so I got a lot of abuse. I wrote a lot of articles about what was happening because Wiley's tweets were effectively pitting the black community and the Jewish community against each other. And it was mirroring something that was happen- is happening in the United States as well a lot, where, which is a whole different thing we could talk about with Farrakhan, Nation of Islam, Hotep movement, you know, black people, the original Israelites and all this kind of stuff. But fundamentally, there's there's divisions growing between black and Jewish communities and Wiley was kind of, tapping into them and like the fears that BLM are anti-Semitic or whatever like people it was it was easily stirring up concerns that I could see were there and there wasn't really a person to step in and be like okay this is how you navigate this so I was writing a lot about it and doing a lot of radio interviews and went on tv and spoke about it and stuff so when all that was happening that was like emotionally draining less so because the the, the kind of abuse I was getting was horrible but it wasn't it was more general so it wasn't very specific it was like okay, someone's going to tell me that I'm not black because I'm Jewish. I can kind of like step back from that. I think, okay, they're just saying that to all Jews or to all black people or, you know, seeing it as more like this is a, a symptom of a larger problem and it could happen to anyone in my position, if that makes sense. Like basically, I tried to descend to myself from the abuse as a way of coping with it. And then that went on and it went on and on. And then around two weeks in, then the abuse, that the trolling, like what I told you, I've been telling you about, started again. And that was hard because I'd already had like a lot of the stuff that's going on with Wiley and all that abuse. And then to have that start, which was very personal, also triggering because of what happened the year before when I was like alone in my room. So then that really took its toll. So I was like, I, I didn't feel well at all. And I think, I don't know how I managed to deal with it in the end. I think it just kind of eventually passed. 
think I slept a lot. Yeah. yeah. But I find each time this kind of stuff happens now, I'm, I bounce back a little bit stronger and a little bit, I've got harder skin to it, thicker skin to it. But yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know how I cope with it. I, don't, I probably don't cope with it very healthily. I should probably take a step back and use social media less when I'm going through a period like that. But it's not easy. Okay, so next time you're going through a period like that, please <laughs> contact me because I'm happy to be by your side. Thank you. Okay? Yeah, thank you. I think Seriously, it, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, I think it's important because as well. that stuff you shouldn't, must not go through on your own. I'm going to stop in a minute. Yeah. I wanted to say how lovely it is to be with you. <laughs> And I'm looking forward to, like, when we can actually be in the same place together for a Shabbat, mm, maybe us. Yeah, but to be so, abu- you know, trolled and abused for things that are brilliant mm. <laughs> is terrible. And I'm sorry. And yes, please write about it because you're absolutely right. The only way to bring change is to explain what it's like to be at the end of it. And this thing about, you know, policing, uh, Jewish community, I mean, it's so completely off the wall terrible because we're such a teeny, weeny, weeny yeah, community it, Yeah, anyway. exactly. And we've got enough to deal with, with other people having I mean, to be so foul to ourselves. The only thing I want to say about the Wiley thing, which I really loved, and you actually mentioned it, was there was a kind of a sense of solidarity and also there was quite a lot of humour because <laughs> what he did was so completely off the scale. My favourite bit was when he tweeted come on Jews I'm waiting <laughs> and then there all these Jews piled in saying it reminds me of Kiddush which is the refreshments after synagogue where you have to wait for the blessing before you can do your bread yeah. so there were all these Jews like with these great memes and from my point of view <laughs> apart from you know objecting try and get Twitter to shift their tushes much faster than they did to kind of shut it down because there wasn't really any deliberation about whether it was hate speech so completely terrible I did enjoy the humour yeah the humour that came out of it was great like the memes kind of while his Twitter was still up and it hadn't been taken down at least people were making like mining it for memes so that kind of made it like you know bearable because people were making it funny and together there was a togetherness feeling and what the rest of the time you're describing is is not and I'm sorry and I want to say again I really want you to contact me so I can be (laughs) by your side thank you Nadine and what I also loving about this conversation and I'm luckier than everybody else because I get to see you on Zoom (laughs) because we're also doing Zoom to make sure we're doing it properly and everything is that I feel like here is this great woman at the beginning oh thank you and I'm like, watch this woman. <laughs> watch her go, because she will fly. Thank you. That means a lot. That's really kind. No, it's, it's, it's true. So I'm <laughs> going to say thank you, lovely lady. And I'm looking forward to the future. Thank you. Thanks.